0: We'd like to note at this point uh, the passing of uh, a legend of American writing, Art Buchwald. The Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist had made a career out of skewering Washington's elite and in 1986 was elected to the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Buchwald made a name for himself as an expatriate writing in Paris. He told Vanity Fair magazine in July that he was happiest when he was working for the New York Herald Tribune from 1948 to 1962. He said, I owned Paris. I had a readership there that I would have never had in the United States. We regret that although we had carefully filed away some of the great Buckwald columns, uh, at least ones that we thought were great, we were unable to find them for this broadcast. So some of those excerpts will have to wait for uh, a future program, but uh, he did have some moments where we we do plan to share some of those with you. And in our obituary section, we need to note the passing of someone we know touched the lives of virtually everyone listening. Momofuko Ando passed away in Osaka, Japan last week at age 96. Now, how can we be certain that Momofuko Ando touched each and every one of you? Well, in 1958, after months of trial and error experimentation on noodles... Ando perfected a flash frying method and thus invented the first pre-cooked instant noodle, which he marketed as chicken ramen. It's better known to us by its descendants, Top Ramen. This made Momofuku Ando a very rich man and changed the dining habits of college students everywhere. And we'd like to note that although they did uh, did come out with the Oscar nominees uh, yesterday, (laughs) we were much more intrigued by the annual release of the Razzie nominations. The surprise here was that, according to Razzie's founder, John Wilson, that all-time Razzie's champ Sylvester Stallone's Rocky Balboa was not nominated this year. Sly Stallone, who has 30 Razzie nominations and 10 wins, To his credit, surprised many skeptics by delivering a sequel that was well-received by audiences and earned better-than-expected reviews. Said John Wilson, at the first of the year, you could not have convinced me that it wasn't going to be a Razzie contender. I'd like to say publicly that Stallone has made a good movie. And uh, three items from the miscellaneous file would start with um, the first, that the U.S. is apparently going to try again to produce dollar coins. The Sacagawea dollar is now being written off as a failure, although maybe not quite as spectacular a failure as the Susan B. Anthony dollar, a failure nonetheless. So what the U.S. Mint is going to do is put the president's pictures on these new dollar coins and hope for the best. And we predict here in Radio Parallax that the Treasury Department will again show cowardice when it comes to doing the obvious, that is, removing the U.S. dollar bill from circulation. When the Europeans started over with the euro, they arranged it so they would not have small bills of very little value. Over on the continent, uh, the smallest bill you can have is the five euro note, worth about six bucks. We've suggested before, I mean, we'll now suggest again that the smallest bill in circulation should be the $2 bill, and there should be $1 coins. But we feel fairly confident the Treasury Department will not take our advice. They will issue these new coins, they will not get used, and we will all be that much poorer for it. In some news from space, contrary to international treaties and common sense, the Pentagon's been talking like it owns... The orbital space around the Earth to put military weapons in? Well, the Chinese apparently didn't agree. And last week, they used a ground-based missile to hit and destroy one of its own aging satellites 500 miles up in space. The Bush administration apparently thought it could announce that we now own space and that we were going to put weapons up there and no one else would be allowed to and expected, I guess, the rest of the world to just kind of go, Oh, okay but it doesn't appear as though it's going that way. Uh, on a serious note, the militarization of space, such as being proposed by various parties at this point, is just, it's, it's a catastrophe for all of us. And traces right back to the Bush administration's uh, deciding that the anti-ballistic missile treaty, going back to the Nixon years, would simply now uh, be ignored. It didn't appear to be a very good idea to us at the time, and it looks even dumber now. And how about this for dumb? In the wake of newly elected U.S. Representative Keith Ellison of Minnesota being sworn into office on a Koran once owned by Thomas Jefferson, Lunatic Fringe radio host Dennis Prager said, "America is interested in only one book, the Bible, and warned that Ellison's use of the Koran would, quote, embolden Islamic extremists, unquote. The American Family Association called for a law requiring the use of Bibles at swearing-in ceremonies. Wrote Beverly Schlegel in the Roanoke, Virginia Times, the Koran does not accept the separation of church and state and expressly demands that Ellison, quote, wage jihad and create certain political, not religious institutions, such as Sharia law, unquote. These beliefs are in direct opposition to the freedoms we enjoy in the U.S. We think some folks have been misinformed. The American concept of religious freedom and a, tra- and a separation of church and state goes back to Thomas Jefferson, not the Bible. If you think you know in a spot in the Bible where it specifically outlines the concept of the separation of church and state, please send us an email at info at Radio Parallax and we'll read it on the air and send you a t-shirt. We don't think you can do it. All right, this item caught my eye from uh, The Week magazine and I wasn't sure what to make of it, but I think I need to report it to you as it was written. Gwyneth Paltrow came under fire last week when she told a Portuguese newspaper that she doesn't feel American. The British are much more intelligent and civilized than the Americans, Paltrow said. They don't talk about work and money. They talk about interesting things at dinner. After fans complained, the actress said her remarks, in Spanish, were misconstrued. I need to go back to seventh grade Spanish, she said. Now, what's puzzling about this is that last time I checked, Portuguese newspapers do not publish in Spanish. Now, there's a couple possibilities here. Uh, Maybe she was trying her hand at Portuguese. Maybe she was speaking Spanish and the Portuguese translators didn't get it right. Um, I don't know. Personally, I think she should have stuck by her guns. But seriously, folks, when we talk about uh, the Portuguese language and mistranslations, we... Inevitably must come to a subject I've been meaning to get to on this program for quite some time, and today is the day. The Portuguese writer Pedro Carolino produced one of the most remarkable books ever written. It appeared in Paris in 1851. Its title, The New Guide of the Conversation in Portuguese and English, only hints at its extraordinary content. Little is known about Mr. Carolino, but his deathless work is believed to be a collaboration with José de Fonseca, the respected author of a Portuguese French phrase book which was published in 1836. Carolino set out with the reasonable goal of creating a Portuguese English phrase book. There was one problem, however. Carolino did not know a word of English. Furthermore, he did not possess an English-Portuguese dictionary. Undaunted, Pedro Carolino used Portuguese-French and French-English dictionaries in series through which he dragged his translations. (laughs) The literal transformation from Portuguese, a language Carolino spoke, to French, over which he had only a rudimentary grasp, into English, with which he had no familiarity, surely accounts for the results obtained. Now, some mishaps are to be expected in any pioneering work, but nothing quite prepares the reader, however, for the surreal and hilarious content of The New Guide. It turned out, upon being published, this book was so popular, it ran through something like 15 printings. And in fact, it is revived every so often and has been currently, and I believe is available in bookstores near you or on the web, under its current title, English as she has spoke and i think we must share with you some of the content to be found within its pages the book opens with a dedication we expect then who the little book for the care what we wrote him and for her typographical correction that may be worth the acceptation of the studious person and especially of the youth at which we dedicate him particularly in the preface carolino declares his work Clean of Gollicisms and despoiled phrases. He decries the corelessness of his rivals. The author kicked off the book with familiar phrases which the Portuguese holiday maker might find useful. Among these are This hat go well, Exculpate me by your brothers, She make the prude. I shall not tell you then two woods, he laughs at my nose, and take that boy and whip him too much. The vocabulary section reveals that in the world of Pedro Carolino, people have some novel jobs, among them harbinger and parapet. They suffer from many ailments, such as the vomitory, a bald, and an ugly. Contained in his comprehensive list of popular fish include the hedgehog, snail, and wolf. (laughs) Carolina's genius was revealed in his familiar dialogues, which ensure, among other things, that his readers may discuss any aspect of the weather, having rehearsed such observations as, There is some foggy, the sun rise on, and it is light moons. Carolino provided many useful dialogues in the book, including For to Wish the Good Morning and For to Visit a Sick. But he really outdid himself in Dialogue 18, however, titled For to Ride a Horse, which proceeds as follows. Here is a horse who have bad looks. Give me another. I will not that. He not sal no to march. He is Percy. He is foundered. Don't you are ashamed to give me a jade as like? He is unshoeed. He is with nails up. In the section titled Anecdotes, Carolina offered the following, guaranteed to enthrall any listener. One eye was laid against a man which had good eyes, that he saw better than him. The party was accepted. I had gain, over said the one-eyed. Why, I see you two eyes... And you not look me who won? Yes, it is as inspiring as we find that. We think it's difficult to top what the author managed in a section titled, Idiotisms and Proverbs. Included among the idiotisms were, Nothing some money, nothing of Swiss. And of course the proverb, A take is better than two you shall have. And... The stone as roll, not heap up, not foam. And, of course, the well-known expression, the dog then bark, not bite. Not to mention that old classic, who that be too washed, too many soaped, and the shirts put through the buck. History does not record whether José de Fonseca died of shame, but we do know that he passed away in 1866, 30 years after his book, inspired Pedro Carolino. We also know that his name was removed after the first edition of this so-called collaboration. Mark Twain became a fan of Carolino, going so far as to publish a facsimile of the original volume. Twain said, In this world of uncertainty, there is one thing left which might be pretty, pretty confidently set down as a certainty. This celebrated little phrase book will never die while the English language lasts. We note in closing that the results of Pedro Carolino's efforts to create a Portuguese-English phrasebook undeniably yielded language of singular originality. One is hard-pressed to find anything in standard English to equal the vividness of the Carolino idiotism to crouch a marmoset. Anyway, there's so much more in an actual copy of English as she had spoke that we uh, we just can't recommend this linguistic train wreck uh, highly enough. We have to note, in, in closing, that, uh, that English as she has spoke is a classic, but uh, someone on the web took the time to take some original Portuguese and compare the Pedro Carolino translations to that which you get when you apply the Babblefish program. We'll give you just one example. In the original Portuguese, Este lago me ben picoso. Vamos pescar para nos divertimos. Now, a proper Portuguese translation would render something like this. This lake looks full of fish to me. Let's have some fun fishing. In English as she is spoke, however, Pedro Carolino rendered it as, That pond, it seems me many multiplied of fishes. Let us amuse rather to the fishing. But personally, I think that compares rather favorably to the following babblefish translation. This lake seems me well, Picoso. We go to fish, stops in amusing them. Pedro Carolino, Babblefish, you make the call. That's it for the program. We want to put a very special thanks out there for C.C. Goldwater for speaking with us from her home in Arizona. I'll say it one last time, her documentary Mr. Conservative, Goldwater on Goldwater is about as good a political documentary as you're going to find anywhere. We recommend it to you highly. And on next week's program we'll be joined by the legendary American humorist P.J. O'Rourke, the best-selling author of 12 books. You've no doubt seen his magazine writing in such diverse publications as The Weekly Standard, House and Garden, The New York Times Book Review, Rolling Stone, and The Atlantic Monthly. We like to think of him as the author of the funniest thing this correspondent has ever read. The classic 1964 high school yearbook parody, which P.J. and the late Doug Kenney created while they worked at the National Lampoon magazine when I say the funniest thing I ever read, I honestly mean it literally. We'll see you next week at the same time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax.